listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I am in part two, Pastor Casey preached last week here of a series called Kingdom Culture. And I believe that the culture of the kingdom of God is not the same culture as the world. I believe that the culture in the kingdom of God is a different culture. I believe that we are in the kingdom of God not to entertain our current culture, but to transform our current culture. I don't believe that we're called to be, I heard this one time, rock stars in a culture that we're called to transform. We're not called to do that. We are called to carry a different culture into a culture that is inferior to our culture and change it. Amen? That's what I believe about kingdom culture. So y'all can go home now, wrap up y'all's Bibles, and we'll see y'all next week here at 10 a.m. I'm just joking. Um, I am going to preach this morning on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, you know we're Pentecostal. That's how you know we're Pentecostal right there. Say anything about the Holy Spirit, people just start yelling, okay? <laughs> Thank God, right? I'm, I'm, I am proudly that, okay? I am proudly that. Um, but I do want to let you know that this is not going to be your typical sermon from me. This is going to be more of like a classroom type setting because there is so much confusion around this topic for some reason. I have never really understood why we can't get this in the church. You ever, have you ever talked to Pentecostals or anybody, anybody, and they'll say this, well, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I was filled with the Spirit when I was saved. Or, or they say, well, you know, that I, was, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that led to me speaking in tongues. Nothing else happened, but you spoke in tongues, Right? You spoke in tongues, and that's all you did, right? And that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to really set up um, this message by talking about baptism in general in the Bible. I want to talk about, there are three baptisms in the Bible, if you didn't know, and I am going to break them down this morning. I want to let you know, if you're a note taker this morning, this message is your dream because I have more scripture than maybe I have used in the past 12 months preaching just for this one message. I'm being serious. I have more scripture for this one message because I know how people are surrounding this and I just want to, I, I want to show you that it's in the Bible, okay? I want to show you that it's the Word, and it's not just some emotional experience that happens when you, after you get saved and after you get water baptized and then you get baptized with the Holy Spirit and that's just it. I want to show you in the Bible this morning that this is an essential part of discipleship. This is, a, this is, this is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. And so I just want to break it down for you this morning. We're going to talk about baptisms first. So number one, there are three baptisms. Okay, there are three baptisms. The first baptism in Scripture, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. In Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Now, I want to give you a scripture for that this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 
verse 12 and 13. Here we go. For just as this body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This next verse. For we are one spirit baptized into one body. This is what happens when you get saved. Jesus baptizes you into the body of Christ. Sorry, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. This is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. This is of, okay? There is a major difference between the baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you are baptized. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is baptizing you into the body of Christ, okay? The second one, baptism in water. We're going to talk way more about this in the future. We're going to have a big baptism day, but I just want to... <laughs> Somebody just said yes. I guarantee you they're from the ramp. I guarantee you they're from the ramp. I guarantee it. <laughs> Anyways, a disciple baptizes you in water, right? This is the second baptism you need to know about. A follower of Jesus baptizes you in water. And we're gonna, I will break that down a whole different day. I'm not here to talk about that this morning, but we could talk about that for months if we needed to. But this is, this is what I want you to get. Jesus baptizes us in or with, the words, are, the words mean the same thing, in or with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. We throw that up there. This is what John is saying. And he says this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier, mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worried to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Are we good so far as far as the scripture goes? We good? Okay. Just want to make sure that we are clear that there are three distinct baptisms that are completely separate in the scripture. Right? We're clear. Okay. Just making sure. Can we put the third one up there? Yes. Okay. Jesus baptizes us in or with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, into the body of Christ, and a follower of Jesus baptizes us in water. So we need to, I, I want to make this very clear. Number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number three is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. Number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing the baptizing. It is, it is his baptism into the body of Christ. And then number three, Jesus is baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. And so we need to really break down, I think, in the Bible when we start seeing number three happen, right? Right? Because a lot of people, like I said earlier, people literally are like, I'm saved, I'm filled with the Spirit, that's all I need. When I was a youth pastor, <laughs> I preached a message called, when following Jesus isn't enough. I just shocked everybody on purpose. 
when following Jesus isn't enough because Jesus said it wasn't enough, right? I could actually go and break that down for you, but Jesus said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go and that the Holy Spirit comes. That's better. He actually said this. He said, you will do works greater than I will because the Holy Spirit is coming, right? And then he told him to go wait for the Holy Spirit to come. We need to think about when this starts happening, and it really starts happening, this whole process of believers getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. This starts happening at the end of the Gospels, and then at the beginning of the book of Acts, you see this transition period happening. You see Jesus setting up his followers to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, every time, I'm, gonna, I'm going to phrase this before we start, because I'm about to read you a ton of scripture. Every time you see in the Bible, the, the disciples were commissioned to go and make disciples. That's what they were commissioned to do. Go make disciples of all nations. When they stumble upon someone who wants to be a follower of Jesus, three things happen. Three things happen. They get saved. They get baptized into the body of Christ. They get baptized in water. And they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those three things in the book of Acts happen all through the book of Acts. Right? You have churches, I, I, I promise you, you have churches who literally can't get over the word of, in, and with. And so they believe that they're all the same thing, and that's why there's no power. I'm saved, I don't need the Holy Ghost. Well, we'll go to the Bible here. So I want to read in the Bible a few examples of the Holy Spirit coming on people. And I just want you to go with me in Scripture this morning. Just so you know, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's for you and for others. It's for you and for others. Let me also say this. What I mean by it's for you and for others is it's for everyone. Right? There's not an exclusive baptism in the Bible that only comes with the gift of speaking in tongues. There's not one. It's not there. Okay? There is an evidence of the baptism, which is prophecy and tongues, but it's not just tongues. Because I know tons of people who speak in tongues but have no power in their life. I know tons of people that if I took them a sick person, they would be afraid to pray for them. Probably because they don't think anything would happen. I know tons of people who speak in tongues and are, more and, are, and are less prophetic than this speaker on the stage. I've, seen, I've actually had people give me prophetic words since I've been here. Not in this church. Not in this church. Okay? Not in this church. I've had them give me prophetic words since I've been here. They speak in tongues all day long. Could not have been more wrong. Could not have been more off. We in the body of Christ, for some reason, feel the need to take every prophetic word and think, oh yeah, that's from God. 
not me. If you come to me and miss it, I'm going to tell you. If you come to me and you say, hey, man, I believe God's going to bring pain to your life. Yep, not me. That one's not for me. Take it somewhere else. Anyways, I won't get off on that. I had my mentor tell me once I had somebody give me a prophetic word in Knoxville. I called my mentor immediately. He said this, don't ever listen to anything that person says again. I was like, amen. <laughs> amen. I will submit to your authority. I will absolutely submit. I want to read in the Bible a few examples of this this morning. First place that we need to go is Acts chapter 1. Remember, there's three things that happen. People get saved, they get baptized in water, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1. We'll start in verse 5. i got to take my sticky notes here and put them aside so that I don't go back to that scripture. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, you at this time will restore the kingdom of Israel. He said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. That's one for all you end times people. But you will receive power. You will receive power. Say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not in you, when he comes upon you, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Jesus literally just tells them, these are the words of Jesus, when the, when you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you are going to receive power. You are going to receive power. I think it's important to know that he did not say that you will receive the gift of tongues. He did not say that you will receive the gift of prophecy. And I'm going to get on that because I believe in all of that. I'm like Paul. I pray in tongues more than all of you. Maybe not some of you. <laughs> but I pray in tongues a lot. And I'm going to get to that in a minute because I, this is not a sermon me saying, me knocking tongues and prophecy. Because I'm going to get to all of that because we believe in all of those things here. This is me saying that the evidence that, that you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that you walk in power. You walk in power. You specifically walk in power to be a witness of Jesus to the people around you in your world. Okay? Acts chapter 2. This is, y'all be careful and don't fall out when I read this, okay? Because we know this is Pentecostal's favorite chapter in the whole Bible. They don't know anything else, but they know Acts chapter 2. Nothing else, Acts 2. It's like, hey, how do I fix my marriage? Acts chapter 2. <laughs> how, do I get, how do I get ready to go on a diet? Acts chapter 2. How do I start saving money? Acts chapter 2. One page, maybe. That'd be fine. This is when the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples. This is the disciples being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to make a correlation for you really quickly because when John was getting ready to, when, when John was getting ready to teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said this, when Jesus, or when the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to baptize you, or when Jesus comes, he is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
okay? I just had to point that out really quickly. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. Hold on to your seat. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire, and it appeared to them and rested, say rested, rested. on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the, that's the disciples receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on them and they begin to speak in tongues. Okay, that's fine. Awesome. Go to Acts chapter 10. Is this okay this morning? Just making some proof text for you before we get started. Because I'll have somebody on the YouTube page commenting, Brother, that ain't sound doctrine. Well, stop watching. <laughs> Watch somebody you agree with. <laughs> you don't have to watch the whole sermon. It's okay. You can stop now. I've been refreshed on my vacation. <laughs> I've been refreshed. Um... Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 44, it says this. Peter is preaching here to the Gentiles. He is preaching here to the Gentiles. What, there was confusion because they were like, is the Holy Spirit for the Jews and the Gentiles? Right? People were, people were even, ha even having trouble saying, is salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles? Okay, well, Peter preaches to them and watch what happens. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were hearing them speak in tongues and worshiping God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Just as we have, they received the same baptism. These believers received the same baptism of the Holy Spirit that Peter did in Acts chapter 2 when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? I'm just pointing that out. He received the same, they received the same baptism. I think it's, it says this. It says they were amazed because the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were amazed at this because they thought it was for only them. Okay? They thought it was the Holy Spirit was for only the Jews. They thought that salvation was for only the Jews. They thought that being a Christian, being saved, was for only the Jews. That was the furthest thing from the truth. Because Peter goes and preaches to people who are not Jewish, and they experience God the same way as they experience God in Acts chapter 2. This is why I have a problem with denominations saying this isn't for us. No, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It is, it, you cannot deny it. Like, it is scripture that you cannot deny. It is scripture that you can only deny if you do what this famous, awesome principle that we've discovered in our time. It's called the principle of isolation. When you read a scripture and you isolate it and you, and you take one scripture... And you, and you create an entire doctrine around it that is not even remotely saying what it's trying to say. 
You take one verse out of the whole Bible and now you have a full doctrine. No, that's not the way this works, okay? That's not the way it works. I have people in my family that will say, no, that is the way it works. And I'll say, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not the way it works at all. When I was in Bible school at Regent, I had this professor one time. He was pretty brutal, honestly. And it was, it was a hermeneutics class and it's where, that's the interpretation of the Bible. That's what that means. And they would give you a passage, and you would have to send him what you thought it meant. And when you sent him what you thought it meant, and you sent it without sources, he just sent it back to you. Because this, he said, Scripture is meant to be interpreted inside of community. He wants to know who you read to get this and how, you, and how you came to this conclusion. Here's why. Because if it's just you and your Bible and your prayer closet, that's how you end up preaching heresy. Because you have nobody to bounce this off of and think, is, does this make sense at all? There are whole denominations that don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't even believe the Holy Spirit still moves. They don't. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit for sure. They ceased. Well, if he didn't cease, then they can't cease. If, if the Holy Spirit is still real, then his gifts come with him. Right? And his fruit come with him. But anyways, I'll get to that in a minute. The Holy Spirit came upon these Gentiles just as it came on the disciples and Peter specifically in the upper room. Jesus tells, or Peter tells this story in Acts chapter 11. He says, as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. As on us at the beginning. He's talking about the birth of the church. And I remember the word of the Lord. I circled a verse here in camp. How he said, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. If then God gave the same Spirit to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord, who was I that I could stand in God's way? If God decides to pour out His Spirit on someone, and He does, who am I to stand in God's way? If, that's why in this church you have complete freedom to worship any way you want to. In this church, you can pray in tongues if you want to. I'll prove it to you in the Bible here in a minute. Just hold your horses, okay? Hold your horses. You don't always need an interpreter. Sometimes you do, but not always. Hold your horses. But I've always had a, I've always had a real issue with people and specifically movements that decide how God gets to move today. Or decide the time limit in he, which He gets to move. You're not a church. You're not a New Testament church. You're not. You may be an organization that comes together. Y'all do a little worship. And somebody preaches. And it's all timed. 
And there's a specific organization that I could write the times on the sheet for you and hand it to you before you walked out the door. I've actually heard this statement before. God stops moving when the clock strikes an hour. You may stop seeking God. You may stop seeking Him. But if I'm still there, He hasn't stopped moving. Right? Because I'm still there. And the Bible says if I draw near to Him, He'll draw near to me. And it doesn't matter about your time restriction. And it doesn't matter how many services you have that are half full. I actually saw something the other day was the saddest attempt at getting people to come to church that I've ever seen. There was like, there was a church that was begging people to come to a specific service at a specific time because not enough people were coming to justify them having a service at that time. Just stop doing the service. In the church today, we are way more ego-led than we are spirit-led. If the church on Instagram has three services, well, we might need them too. If the church on Instagram has two services, well, we might need them too. You know that we have enough members at this church to have two services? We do. We do. We do. We've had two services, almost three before. And by math... We should have two services. We don't because God hasn't told us to. There's my rant for this sermon. Praise God. Sorry. Acts chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country... (laughs) I don't know why that makes me excited for some reason. Passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, listen to this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. This is 25 years after Acts chapter 2, by the way. And he said, then to what were you baptized? (laughs) And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. Tell the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. He was saying, you need to be baptized with the Spirit. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, we are in agreement this morning before we go any further that there are three distinct baptisms in Scripture, okay? And I've showed you that when the disciples went out to make disciples, people got saved, they were baptized in water, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yes, okay, praise God. If I haven't, we can talk more after service. Actually, we can't because I have a meeting, but you can message me on Facebook. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't want to lie to you without cleaning up my mess. So when they stumbled upon a group of people, they were flat out wanting to know. The disciples were flat out wanting to know this. Have these people encountered God? You can put that down now. You can take that down. Have people encountered God 
the same way that we have encountered God. Have people been saved? Right? Have people been saved? Have people been baptized with water? And have people been baptized with the Holy Spirit? They wanted to know those three things. And they were adamant about those three things happening. Because being baptized with the Holy Spirit is an essential part of you being a follower of Jesus. It is an essential part of you being a Christian. You don't have to get baptized with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you want to live the life that Jesus lived, the same Spirit that came on Him has to come on you. And the same Spirit, John chapter 1 says this, John chapter 1 said the same Spirit that rested on Him. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and remained or rested. Acts chapter 2 says when the Spirit came, it rested on them. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to know the the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for you. Because there are other people in the world around you that need what's on you. Pastor Casey actually said this last week. He said, we have the power of God, not for ourselves, but for others. There is, I listen to a guy all the time and he says this, the answer to the world around you is the world within you. I'm going to take it a step further than that. I think the answer to the world around you is the world that is within you and the world that is with on you. You following me? It is not only you being saved, it is you being baptized with the Spirit of God and walking in a power that transforms the world around you. The disciples couldn't help but transform their culture. They couldn't help it. Peter walked through a city and they started emptying out hospitals and laying people on cots just in case he were to walk by them. They might get healed. That is the power of God that is available to everyone in this room. Just because because you don't see it happen often doesn't mean that it can't. I have some very, yeah, I have some thoughts the reason why we don't see it happen often. We don't see God move often. I have lots of thoughts on that. Maybe I need to gather them and preach them in another sermon. Call it Why God Doesn't Move. Maybe because you don't. Anyways, all right. Well, I want to say it like this. You were filled with the Spirit of God for you. You were filled with the Spirit of God for, with you. You were baptized with the Holy Spirit into the Holy Spirit for others. You were filled with the Spirit of God for you. You were baptized with the Holy Spirit for others around you. People need to have an encounter with the God that is both in you and on you. They need to have an encounter with God and they need to experience the God that is in you and the God that rests on you. Okay, I believe this morning we're going to have actually... In just a little bit, not yet, we're going to have our prayer team come and we're going to lay hands on anybody that wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or just need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we probably all do. But I, uh, 
I have really three things that I have experienced in my life when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about those three things this morning because I feel like this is what God wants to do in just a minute um, when we have a time in the altar. The first thing that happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the the baptism in and with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming on you, is that fear of man breaks off your life. Fear of man breaks off your life. You stop caring what other people think about your walk with God. You stop caring. I think it's kind of cool that Paul writes to Timothy and he says these words. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He literally is writing to Timothy. This is Paul's last letter. He's writing to Timothy, and the first thing that he warns a young pastor about, a young person in the faith about, he says, you better be sure that you stay, that you stay in a place of devotion, fanning, fanning the flame, fanning the Holy Spirit alive within you, in whatever way that you have to, because, you, because fear will have an opportunity to creep in. And I believe he was trying to teach him this. You can't live with a spirit of fear and his spirit. That doesn't mean that you can never be fearful of anything. But you can't live in a spirit of fear and have his spirit too. You can't. We live in a culture right now that it's just like, man, I know I say this all the time. I don't know how you watch the news. I don't know how you do it. You're you're more anointed than me, I guess. Because the news, I have so many thoughts about the news. The news has baptized people in fear. It has baptized people in fear. CNN, Fox, all of them. They have baptized you in fear. Your Instagrams that you follow, those little cool accounts that are cool and sparkly and they have all those cool pictures on them and those, those colors that appeal to your eye that are not biblical statements but they sound almost biblical. They baptized you in fear. Sometimes people share things on Instagram. I'm like, that's not in the Bible. Like, not that you're saying that it is. I'm just saying that the Holy Ghost is contrary to that. And it's inflicting your life with fear. And you can't be baptized in His Spirit and a spirit of fear. You can't be both. What is the fear of man? Number one, you're led by the opinions of what your neighbor might think about you. If you get into this thing too deep, what are they going to think? Nobody cares. I kind of had that about me before I was saved, so it was really good for me to read a Bible verse that set me completely free from the fear of man. This is also how the fear of man manifest itself. You ready for this one? 
It dresses itself up as wisdom. And you guide your life thinking that you are making wise decisions that are not based off of the Word of God. It is not wisdom if it's not His Word. If it ain't a proverb, the, the Instagram posts don't count, okay? It don't count. If it's a thought that moves you away from the presence of God, it is not wisdom. If it's a thought that gets you to buy in more to our culture than a kingdom culture, it is not biblical. You are being guided by a spirit of fear that is dressing itself up as wisdom. This is all, let me, let, me, let me also say this as well. Bill Johnson says this. He says, wisdom, or he says this, fear will always dress itself up as wisdom and then it will gather the information that it needs to support it. Fear will dress itself up as I'm making a wise decision right now. Let me ask you, is it biblical? Is it a biblical-based, rooted decision? If it's not, then it's not wisdom. Okay? All right. Well, we'll move on from there, not get any amens there. <laughs> Let me ask you this. The Bible says this. The Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, He'll baptize you. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me ask you this. If I, say for instance, if I took some gas and I poured it on jam here. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, you got the, Casey has the match. That's right. If I poured some gas on jam up here. I was actually trying to find someone a little bit quieter in spirit. Michaela. Michaela. If I took some gas and I poured it on Michaela. And then I threw a match on her. Do you think that she would be worried about what everybody else thought about her? No! She's on fire! This is what I'm trying to communicate. People on fire don't care about what other people think. People who are burning know that. It doesn't matter what they think. I have something better. We have... The reason why you need the fear of man off of your life is because, number one, you need to be out of bondage to fear. Number two, for others. We live in a world that cannot afford for Christians and followers of Jesus to walk around afraid. We, we can't afford that. We have something to offer everybody that nobody else has. That nobody else has. And that's the spirit that's in us and on us. The, number, the, the second thing that I think that I experience in my own life, and I think you can experience this, in just a second, the baptism 
with the Holy Spirit is that you hear the voice of God incredibly clearly. You are able to distinguish between what is God's voice and what is, what, what is fear saying. Or what is, like, also, here's something that will help you hear God's voice more clearly. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. We've, we've entered a time that has become, it's so odd to me when you talk to Christians about reading the Bible, it's just, this is just all there is to it. They don't. They have the Sprinkle of Jesus app. Y'all ever seen that one? Y'all remember when that was popular? Just a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle. Sprinkle of Jesus. I don't want a sprinkle. I want to be baptized. This is not me coming at the Methodist. My aunt is Methodist. Baptize any way you want to. Or the Catholics, whatever. I actually was talking to my aunt one time. She'll watch this and she'll appreciate this. I was actually talking to her one time. She's been serving the same church for like 50-something years. Okay? In the same church for 50-something years. And um, she's played the piano there for God knows how long. I was talking to her about some trouble that uh, we were experiencing in the church. She was like, just tell them to leave. Go find another church. <laughs> That's what she told me. She said, just tell them to leave. They'll find another church. She's been in the same church for 52 years, or, or way longer than 52 years. She's just been serving there for like that long. She's like, just tell them to leave. Go find another church. They'll find another church somewhere else. I was like, amen, amen. You'll hear the voice of God incredibly clear when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. I don't have to try to hear from God. We, we may do a whole series on how to hear from God, but I don't have to try to hear from God. He's my Father. I don't have to try to strike up a conversation with my dad through performance. I don't, try to get, I don't have to try to get him to move on my behalf through performance. You will get more done in the kingdom of God when you realize that he really is your dad. He's not a far off God waiting on you to do a dance and a jig in church to come down and touch you. He's your father. You don't have to do anything. So I don't have to try to talk to him. And I don't have to try to hear from him. The reason why is, is well, we live where we, you can go buy one of these. Right? This is his word. There, you can read it. And you can hear from God when you read this. Right? I'm not saying that this is the Holy Spirit. I'm saying that this is the Bible. Right? This is the word of God. We... I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how like I hear believers talk about hearing from God and it's some like it's like you're talking to a genie in a bottle almost that's not God that's not who God is to you or for you I heard Bill Johnson say this I listen to a lot of Bill Johnson because he's just the man 
he said this. He says, if a dove landed on your shoulder, how would you live your life? He's talking about the life of Jesus. <laughs> I, like, I just saw like a dove just coming down, landing on somebody's shoulder. <laughs> Jesus, help. I heard this pastor one time preaching on the Holy Spirit, and he was talking about <laughs> how the Holy Spirit like comes down. And he said that they had like, it was, a, it was a small church, they would have had a drop ceiling in their church. And he took, he gave like an eight-year-old a dove and he like took it up in the ceiling. And he's like, when I say the Holy Spirit comes down, you throw the dove out of the ceiling. <laughs> well, he's like standing there and he's like, the Holy Spirit came down. And it's like, nothing happens. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, the Holy Spirit came down. And it's like, you think he's missing his cue. And all of a sudden you see this like, you see part of the ceiling like pull back and he's like, hey, pastor. The cat ate the dove. <laughs> you want me to throw the cat down? <laughs> That's hilarious, and I don't care who you are. <laughs> the cat ate the dove. I heard a pastor tell that story one time. I don't know anybody that that's happened to, but if that is true, that is incredible. <laughs> the cat ate the dove. Bill Johnson he says, you would make every move. If a dove landed on your shoulder, you would make every move with the dove in mind. If, you, if, if, if the Spirit of God rested on your shoulder, how would you live your life? You would make every move consulting with the dove because you don't want him to leave off of your life. Right? That's how you would live your life. A lot of times, people, they, they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right? And this does not, the dove doesn't leave because you make a mistake. Let me, let me be very clear on that. The dove doesn't leave because you make a mistake. The dove leaves when he gets bored. Because he don't have anybody talking to him. He'll just go talk to somebody else that will do what he's asking them to do. The dove rests on your shoulder because people need the world in you and the world on you. And when you're in Walmart and you hear God say, go over there and talk to that person. That's why the dove rests on your shoulder. Sometimes you can't, you ever been somewhere and it's like, I cannot stop hearing God's voice right now. Sometimes you don't even have to try. He just starts talking. That's how close he is. On your shoulder, in your ear. Wanting to have fellowship and conversation with you. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, that happens you begin to hear his voice as if he were right beside you. I'm not talking about like the audible voice of God. I'm not talking about somebody up in the sky. It's like, the heavens have split. <laughs> Go pray for that woman. Right. I don't know that God talks like that either, but <laughs> it would be cool if he did. 
You make every move with the dove in mind because his voice is that loud. You can't help, you can't help but hear him. You can't help but hear him. Okay, last thing. The third thing that I think you could, this could happen to you this morning in just a minute is you can see the manifestations of being immersed into a life with the Spirit of God. You could see the manifestations of that. The first manifestation that you will see in your everyday walk is you will see fruit. You will see fruit. I know plenty of people with the gifts of the Spirit but don't have any fruit. <laughs> plenty of gifts, no fruit. Let me read this to you. Galatians chapter 5. Are y'all okay with this much Bible? <laughs> it's good. Galatians chapter 5. Who? Oh, let's see here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, divisions, envy, drunkenness, things like that. I warned you, and as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Listen to this. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified to the flesh and its passions and desires. That's a good one. Let me say this. You can't work on having fruit of the Spirit. You can't work on it. Like I hear people talking about this, I'm practicing my self-control. You can't do that. You have to crucify yourself. And you have to exchange your current fruit for His fruit. Because it's not your fruit. It's His. It's not the fruit of coal. It's not the fruit of Timmy. It's not the fruit of jam. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And you have to crucify your desires on the cross if you want His fruit to be manifested in your life. I think about it like this. You can actually come down here today and we can lay hands on you in a minute. You can be baptized with the Spirit and you may walk out of here and things that used to make you mad just don't make you mad. They just don't make you mad anymore. You know the Holy Spirit's active in your life primarily when you look up and see fruit. Primarily when you look up and see fruit and when you look up and you see power. Here's how I know that I need more of the Holy Spirit. Okay, My friend informed me a week or so ago now, that 90%, I'm about to make all of you mad in here, 90% of traffic jams are not due to somebody having a wreck. It's due to someone stopped and they're looking at something. And I'm trying to travel somewhere, so I need you to move it. Yes. If you live in Knoxville, everybody's just looking around. And it's like, Put your foot on the gas and go. 
Foot on the gas and go. The reason I know that I still need the Holy Spirit in my life is because I get so impatient with that. I want to, I want to get out of the car and like look and see what is happening up there. What's going on? Drive. And then, like the other day, I was in a traffic jam, and I convinced myself, I'm like, well, this is probably someone out sightseeing, and there was a wreck, and then I felt terrible and repented. So, catch yourself on that. I need him more because I can't see the fullness of the fruit manifesting in my life yet. And if I want to see the results that Jesus got, I need to live the life that Jesus lived. Last thing. You get gifts. And I said this last because we have, we have primarily in the Pentecostal church, we have said that you speak in tongues, you prophesy, everything's good to go. Not true. Not true. Not true at all, actually. Some of the meanest people that I have ever met spoke in tongues. Some of the most backbiting, gossiping people that I have ever met spoke in tongues. They needed the jits in a bad way. In a, in a bad, 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 bad way. But when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will manifest in your life because you have been baptized with Him and with Him you get His gifts. It is not that you get a gift. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit and that manifests out of your life whenever it need be. Stand up on your feet. I got just a little bit more. I'm not going to leave you standing long. I specifically want to talk about tongues this morning just to clarify something really quick. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. The one who speaks in a tongue builds him up, builds up himself. The one who promotes, prophesies, builds up the church. Listen. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. <laughs> Let me repeat that. I want you all to speak in tongues. And I want you to prophesy. I want to skip down and read something really quick. Listen to this. I, there's a clear distinction here between a gift of tongues and a prayer language. A clear distinction. Very clear. Paul makes it abundantly clear. And for some reason, we in the church today can't read this part. We just can't read it. Therefore, one who speaks, say the word speaks, in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Let me read that again. Therefore, someone who speaks 
Say it again. Speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Listen to this. For if I pray in a tongue, say if I pray. So he just said, if I speak in a tongue, and in the same sentence, if I pray in a tongue. In the same sentence. Clear distinction. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit or in a tongue, but I will sing with my mind also. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that there is a gift that manifests out of your life that is the gift of speaking in tongues. But there is a will in every believer. There is a will. Praying in tongues is a will. He says this, I will pray in tongues and I will sing in tongues. I will pray in the Spirit and I will sing in the Spirit. Jude chapter 20 says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. The Bible says that if you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. If you prophesy, you edify the church. What's wrong with that? Why is that a bad thing? My brother, not allowed. Not allowed. You got to have an interpreter. The Bible says that you don't have to. If you're praying in a tongue, you do not need an interpreter. If you have a message in tongues for the church, you need an interpreter. You can pray in tongues here all you want. I don't care if you edify yourself while you're in church. God forbid. We got people in church encouraging themselves in the Lord. God forbid that would ever happen. Praying in a prayer language is a will. I can do it whenever. No need to interpret. No need. It is not a message to you or for you. It is to edify me. And it is my spirit praying. Some people have the gift to give a message in tongues. There are others who have the gift to interpret that tongue. Beckham at this point has the gift of tongues without interpretation. But everybody can pray in the Spirit. Everybody can pray in tongues. Here's how I know this. It's just simple logic. Let me ask you this. Does everybody have the gift of miracles? No. Can you believe God for a miracle? Yes. Does everybody have the gift of wisdom? No. For sure, no. <laughs> For sure, no. Can I ask God for a word of wisdom and He give it to me? Yeah. Can I hear from God? Yes. Does that mean I'm a prophet? No. So let me ask you this. Does everyone have the gift of tongues? No. Can you pray in the Spirit? Yes. 
I believe here in a minute we have our prayer team that's going to come down to the front now. And they're going to go back into this song, so to speak. And I believe that some of you are going to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I believe some of you are going to feel the fear of man break off your life. I believe some of you are going to hear the voice of God incredibly clear. And I believe that some of you, you, you're going to speak in tongues. You're going to pray in the Spirit. But most of all, you're going to receive power. Because the world around you needs the world within you and the world that's on you. And so, this morning, this is what I want us to do. We have a prayer team down here. This is not like an embarrassing moment when you're answering the altar call and there's just this specific sin. I'm probably going to answer the altar call here in a minute. Because I just want more of the Spirit of God. I just want more of His Spirit. I, I want people, Paul said specifically, through the laying on of hands, you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So we have people. We have people here to lay hands on you so that you can receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit in a greater measure, okay? Then you have it right now. And so this is what I want us to do. If you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you wanna receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you may have never received that before. You may have never been given this opportunity before. You may have never heard a teaching like this before. You may have heard that all the baptism with the Holy Spirit is, is that you are just gonna pray in tongues and prophesy, that's not it. If you've never had the power of God come on you, I just want you to begin to move from your seat right now. Or if you want more of that, I want you to begin to move from your seat. And I want you to come and find someone to pray with this morning. Um, and we're going to go back into this song and we're just going to begin to worship. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.